Welcome aboard, everyone, to another episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. We're keeping it rolling here. Once again, Chris Salona and Ethan Shalloway bringing it to you. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Permission <laughs> to come aboard, sir. I love it, dude. Yeah. Uh, how we, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Not sure if you asked, but how are you hey, doing, Chris? You're, you're saying it anyways. I'm, I'm already doing fantastic. This is great. I'm, I'm pretty fired up to be here once again. Yeah. And uh, that's really all there is to it, you know? We're excited. Yeah. yeah. I mean, today has it's been a great day. We had an awesome, another great interview that we're excited to share. So, um, absolutely. You yeah. Know, really? I love these episodes. They're so much fun to record with artists that yes. are have all different, you know, walks or all different paths that they're on, or, you know what I'm trying to say, where they are on the path that is. So. Absolutely. So today we are very excited to uh, bring you a conversation that we had a little while ago uh, with Sarah Jane Riedel of Dutch Mustard. So based out of London in the United Kingdom. And uh, we got to chat with SJ for about 40 minutes. And this was a really, really cool conversation. Um, she's an up and coming musician that we've known for a while through the page. Um, so really cool to sit down and have a conversation with somebody like this who's you know, just a, a student of music and a student and, you know, very, very inspired by guitar driven music. And that was something that she referenced frequently. Um, and, yep. you know, wanting to be a part of that next generation that keeps everything going uh, in her own way. And it's really cool to talk to somebody similar to our age who grew up with a lot of the same music that we grew up listening to. And, you know, we're all at a similar point in time where, you know, we can do different things with those influences. So it's really cool, um, you know, to see what SJ is doing with uh, her influences and her talent that she's honed over the years. And um, we got to chat a little bit about her debut EP, which came out earlier this year, which is called An Interpretation of Depersonalization. And it was really cool to kind of hear the thought process behind that and just the day-to-day -day of what goes into being a musician and putting music out uh, in this day and age. Yeah, she did a great job of explaining her journey the last couple of years. And I, one thing I love about her is she loves playing live music, and that was really big and um, you know critical to the start of her journey. And I think that is that's my favorite part about music, both going to live shows and playing live shows. So fun to uh, talk to somebody that feels the same way, um, kind of you know that drove her to uh, continue pursuing music and. And then, you know, how COVID drove her to, to write more and to come out with an album. And yeah. it was a really, a really fun time. It was a great conversation. And like I said before, it's why I like, it's why, I mean, I just love talking to artists and, and having people on the show. It's so much fun. So Absolutely. And that's the cool thing. I think the more that we do this, the more we're going to want to do this. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we wanted this to be a space for people to share you know, what they're working on and, and for everybody who's listening to kind of get a glimpse as to what different creatives and musicians and artists and all the like photographers, uh, you know, to hear their stories and to hear what their lives are like. So really excited to bring you another one of those. And as you know, um, our ability to do this is, uh, you know, it, it continues and it's only possible through the people that support us, uh, primarily the people that support us monetarily, um, because as we spoke about in previous episodes, pretty much all of them takes money to do this, takes money for equipment, takes money to pay our producer, uh, who does fantastic work, mind you, um, takes money to we transfer into Zoom and to all that, all that shit costs money. And, uh, you know, we're happy that there's people out there that feel strongly enough about the product that we create to choose to give us money. And, uh, you know, at the top of that totem pole certainly would be the top level supporters over on Patreon. And now is the point in the episode where I am honored and delighted to read their names so that everybody may know that their contributions are an integral part of the Grunge Bible podcast. So without further ado, I would like to thank Sonny Mashburn, Alexis Shannon, Chris LSMS, Granny Grunge, Faith Bittner, Laura Nyreen, Nikki Six, Marianne, Release Millie, Black Hole Sean, Captain Hightop, Doug Endy, Alex Long, Jade Mercado, Fuck Soup, Darian Riddle, Rachel Corning, Wayne Staley, our number one fan from Australia, What the Fuck's Up Denny's, Jamie Lynn, Kitty Cooper, Fresh Tendonitis, Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey, Carlene Salona, Kara Kay, The Blue Owl, Brother Nature, Eddie Vedder got me through my second divorce, Shoe the Shoeless, I Hate Your Mom, and I cannot remember if I've said their name already. If I have, we're double dipping, Kitty Cooper. 
So thank you uh, to all of you for the support. And that's the funny thing about this list, Ethan. I have it written down in, in one section of my notebook here, and it's obviously written in the same order since it's the same list and I just add and subtract or whatever. So to keep, to spice things up a little bit, I, I don't say the list the same way every single week. And that was the first time that I lost my place. So um, here we are, however many episodes deep, and I finally fucked up. <laughs> it's over. Sh- it's over. Yeah. Well, luckily, I'm sure it's okay. Yeah. And the, I, yeah, I, I think, think the they listeners, will forgive us. They can yeah. find it in their hearts to forgive us. It's a mouthful. I mean, it's tough. The, it the is list a gets longer. As the list I gets want it to longer, be longer too. I was just say, as the list gets longer, it gets harder. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm good for it though. No, so, you did you did, you did great. Yeah, we're hanging in there, but yeah, it's cool. People like that support us, so we can do things like this. So we bring to you the interview that we did with Sarah Jane Riedel of Dutch Mustard. Up next. back with Sarah Jane Riedel of Dutch Mustard coming to us from across the pond. SJ, very nice to meet you face to face here uh, and to talk with you. How's it going? Hey guys, really nice to meet you too. Uh, I'm very good, thank you. It's obviously nighttime here, so I've had a whole day behind me already. Oh yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm very good, thanks. How are you guys? Could not be better. Yeah, doing pretty well. Yeah, it's um, midday for us, so it's we still got a little bit more to do after this, but um, we're happy to find some time to sit down. There's always a little bit of a difficulty syncing up time zones when yeah. there's a difference. So this is good. But yeah, we're doing pretty good. I'm doing good. Anything. I um, actually spent my day recording a band. I work at a studio. Um, oh, nice. Studios. So I got to assist on a band called The Clockworks. I think that's their name. The it's like guitar music. So yeah. it was a good day. <laughs> that's awesome. It's got to yeah. be, um, I'm sure there's probably some days that pique your interest with work more often than others, just depending on the type of music that's being put together in the studio, right? Yeah. I mean, there's obviously like, yeah, there's loads of different stuff coming in. Mm. And I think um as a musician and yeah assistant engineer you definitely respect like every musician and their qualities and what they bring in it's not necessarily that you would always go and listen to to that project right but you can still especially working with people you're you get like a whole different vision on like the talent that people bring in um so i do actually enjoy every session like big time so yeah, that's awesome. Cool yeah. So so for background, so you were not only a songwriter and a musician, but you were also an engineer, huh? I'm an assistant engineer. Assistant I'm still engineer. learning. But I've been yeah, yeah, I've been helping out at Crouch End Studios for about almost two years, I think. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. how did you how did you get into that? Because I'm assuming for you, um, you know, the playing and the songwriting and everything that came first, right? Yeah. So I started playing guitar when I was eight years old. Um, I watched the School of Rock, and I wanted Is that to be what got you into it. <laughs> Hell yeah, Jack Black. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, but um, my don't parents... you just watch that and just want to be a part of that school? Like, I wish I went there when I was you know, younger. <laughs> it's like the best give, film I could have been Freddie. Oh yeah. So good. Like you can always reference from it. It's just so good. Um, Field trip is going to a um, battle of the bands. Yeah. So good. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to be Zach Mooneyham basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my parents accidentally bought me, well, this is later. They bought me a bass. Uh (laughs) But this is actually a bit later on. I think it started with, yeah, me begging for guitar lessons. And my mum said, um, if you can get the guitar, then I'll get you the lessons. And nice. I managed to like save enough money and like rocked up with a classical guitar. <laughs> That's amazing. But it was like all I could afford. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I started um, learning classical music for a couple of years and then um, moved to the UK. So I'm, I'm Dutch originally. Um, right. And then we moved to the UK and I just like started getting lessons from this dude in the studio. It was like, yeah, I can play guitar. <laughs> and it was just like bar chords and rock songs. So yeah, just sort of went from there more into electric guitar. Uh, and then yeah. singing, just singing and writing like came with that when I was about 10, 11. Um, and yeah, I've always been interested in uh, engineering. Uh, I did a um, sound sound tech course when I was like 17 
uh, it was quite ropey, but I did it for a year and a half and I still learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I was gigging loads, like from, uh, 17 onwards, just doing solo gigs all around London. I moved to London as soon as I turned 18 mm-hmm. and just started playing loads of pubs, bars and, um, and yeah, the engineering side is just always cool because you meet all the sound engineers at gigs as well. So it's like you you go out to these shows and you're really nervous. Firstly, obviously, you don't know any of the audience and not right. all your friends can come all the time. So you're by yourself a lot. So I used to just sit with the engineers and be like, can I just watch what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just sort of went from there, really just watching other people and like recording my stuff and just watching the producer work and demoing at home and yeah like it's different I think learning production and engineering to how you write as well like it just changes the game big time yeah definitely um, probably increases the perspective that you have as well you know, because you're, you just you understand that much more um so in addition to the almighty school of rock um where where were your musical influences coming from when you were a kid like were your parents big music fans like were you in like a like a group of friends that were always listening and you know getting cds and sharing it or like how how did that come from because i know um you know there's a lot of different influences that you have and you kind of bring them all together in that you know guitar driven yeah. rock that you you, you love so much and that you create so what what did that kind of look like for you so well growing up like my mom and dad they both love music um very very much but they weren't very much like guitar heavy bands or I didn't grow up with my dad from when I was about six and I think dad was very much into um Oh, into disco as well but he's recently been showing me like uh, the cult and like he's found all his old records and I'm like I didn't know that he was that into guitar because yeah. um, mm-hmm. he was disco and um, that kind of thing and then mum was massively into Madonna um, mm. and trance music who, who wouldn't <laughs> like, be though you know <laughs> yeah so I mean yeah I had a lot of Madonna as a kid yeah a lot of trance DJs and um, yeah so I didn't really get the guitar music much then I think when I was a teenager, I started listening to yeah Green Day. I just went to the music shop and I got myself, yeah, got a Green Day CD. I did have a U2 CD in the car already. And I think nice. uh, one of my family members got me a Nirvana CD. So yeah, I had that on all the time. Uh, and it sort of, yeah, it sort of went from there, really, this sort of guitar-driven stuff. But it was not until I turned 18, so quite late, that I listened to um, Cherub Rock, Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, nice. And I remember... Like, I changed your bit, life? Changed my life. I was changed quite high life, as yeah. well, so it was great. Like I just smoked a swift, listened to Cherub Rock with um, a drummer, a colleague of mine. He was, he was like, you've never heard this album before. I was like, no. Listen to Cherub Rock first thing. And I was like, oh. Like all my questions or anything I was ever feeling as a teenager or over the years, the frustration, the the emotions, like just guitar. Oh, it was just everything to me, that song. And then I just got like indulged. Yeah, like that record changed my life. And um, I think White Stripes came in after that quite a bit. And I bought like a big muff pedal and like all the fuzz stuff and distortion and yeah and i've got like a 90s rap pedal which is sick and my friends modded it to be completely 90s so it's just like that's so such cool. cool sound yeah it's awesome. but yeah sorry they're off into yeah. Guitar, no that's great yeah, no, you're so- good it's always so exciting. Yeah, it's always so exciting. Like I feel like everybody as fans or even musicians and uh, you know, just people who are interested in music, there's always that one event that just opens the floodgates yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like, Wow, I never realized there was all of this out here. I need to consume all of it right now. I need to learn all yeah. about all of this and I need to explore all of these things. Like it's kind of overwhelming, but it's like the the best kind of overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Like I think, yeah, once I'd heard that record and started to talk to more people that I met over the years that were into rock music. Yeah, later on came like, I think Queens of Stone Age, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden. I remember hearing, what's that song? It's like, keep me off my wave, my wave. Yeah, my, my wave, Soundgarden, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, like I had that on repeat so much. Um, and I met my guitarist actually because of Smashing Pumpkins, because I was working in a guitar shop on Denmark Street. 
And I think he'd already found my Instagram before he came in, but he walked mm. into the shop and started playing um, like one of Smashing Pumpkin songs. Oh, and I was nice. Like, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I was like, dude, you've got to teach me everything you know. And we Yo. sat there for two hours just jamming <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's exciting. Like people that are into guitar music, I think it's just a different world. I yeah. always feel, I can't, I can't really say that other people don't understand, but I do think, yeah, if you're into guitar music, it's, it is just a different energy. You like, understand more. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds, it sounds like, so you have obviously you released one, an EP um, mm-hmm. this past year, but it sounds like, you know, you came up playing a lot of live music and you're really, you know, guitar kind of just playing and live music and then you got more into engineering and then you kind of released the uh the ep so um talk about playing live because i I was in a band too and and it's one of my favorite parts about music is being on stage and i feel like you have that same like you love playing music for people like of course like producing a really nice album and record is is always a lot of fun but there's something about playing on stage and um i guess what do you what do you love about that and like it seems like you had uh you got the tour a pretty good bit at least in smaller stuff i know hope probably a lot of hopes to get bigger but um, why don't we talk about being on stage and what that means to you uh well it means everything to me it's that bit where you like i try not to get emotional talking about this but i think (laughs) that's what it is it's just emotion (laughs) up there yeah this is the real shit right here (laughs) (laughs) as a musician it can get really tough I think as a creative an artist or um any kind of yeah creative world it's quite hard because not everything is funded straight away um and I know that a lot of artists um from research and talking to labels and talking to managers and other bands you know you do wonder like oh how come they're on these tours and they're doing all these things but actually like they've either bought their way or so and so know someone or they're born into the music scene right so for me like I like I didn't grow up um, with any contacts or like right. in a guitar music world or anything like that. Um, and so when I play on stage and um, that's like, that's like the reward for me. That's like, um, that's yeah. the thing that gives back. It's like, cause I feel like I'm just always giving and giving obviously making music. Cause I love making music. Like I absolutely adore it. But at the same time, uh, I think a lot of people don't understand how much it actually costs as well to totally. put a, a, a gig together, like, you know, rehearsals. Um, so like I'm now Dutch mustard is now like my project, but like I have to get people in to play with me. Um, and yeah, some guys do it really cheap and whatever, and like mates rates and things, but still it's like, I'm recording the record. Um, like I was, I was literally broke after I made that EP, like completely broke. I spent all my money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, yeah, they don't really know that. So, um, it is really sensitive, like playing live, like it really, like, that's it yeah. for me. Like, that's what I want to do. Like when I sing to these people and, and I see their smiles yep. and they're like cheering and dancing and it's like, it just feels so right as well. Yeah. It's just like, it's a shared experience. I think I always loved it because like you, after you finished the show and people are like, that was like so much fun. Like, you know, we, we had a great time. The people were, you know, me and my friends, like you had a few drinks. I mean, you're you're up on stage. Like, I'm so glad that I could facilitate that, but also like you enjoyed what I was doing. And yeah, it's very rewarding. I mean, people get that from listening to your album, but you're not there with them listening. So when yeah. you're on stage, you're like you're all together, and that's why yeah. I mean, we talked about it with Chris a lot. Like going to a concert, it's like it's just a shared experience that everybody is like on the same page for, and it yeah. goes a long it goes a long way for you know music. I mean, that's why yeah. I really love music for all those things. It's incredible. So. Like, and the people you normally meet at rock gigs are the nicest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> like that's what I've experienced over the years. And yeah. um, the heavier the music gets, the nicer they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's kind yeah, of true. Hundred percent. I, I think I, I think I could relate to a lot of that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, live music uh, means a lot to me. It's it's why I do what I do. Yeah. yeah just How big up. of a challenge was it? Um, obviously during the pandemic in, in 2020, when everything kind of shut down, I mean, the world, you know, especially I know overseas in the United Kingdom as well, yeah. same situation. How difficult was it to have that torn away from you, that element of not being able to take the stage and not being able to play live? Was it, um, 
I, I'm, I'm sure in, in a way it was kind of a catalyst for a creative period where, you know, you were only able to write because you weren't able to play live. So how did that impact you and, and how much did that situation kind of forge what would become the EP? Um, so that lockdown was really tough. Right. Um, like the first lockdown, like I, I think I, well, obviously I was working in a pub at that time and it, um, it had obviously shut down. Um, but I was living upstairs in that bar. So we were quite lucky as well because we had a music venue downstairs, um, which I don't know if you've seen the live in the basement thing that we shot. Yes, uh, I have seen it. Yep. That, yeah. yeah, so that's in that pub where I lived. And oh, worked. okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, at first it was, um, well, nobody really knew what to do, of course, because it's right. like the world is shut down. I felt really free because for the first time, I could do like obviously I love making music, but we were rehearsing so much. I was I was playing with a lineup that I didn't feel 100% confident in because my guitarist had moved away, and there was just certain things sonically that didn't click between us with like creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of an opportunity to stop everything yeah. that was happening musically. And I had five. I remember I had five shows lined up. Obviously, all got cancelled, and I just felt this massive relief because I was kind of like, well this gives me time to, to figure out what, what I want this to be right. uh, and where it needs to go. Um, but obviously not playing shows was really tough um, because yeah, that, that sort of rewarding feeling, but at the same time, it was as much as obviously COVID is horrible and so many people suffered. Um, the, the free time was yeah a real blessing for me. Um, I f- did, I went, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, it kind of forced a reset for yeah, a lot exactly. of people, but for, for creatives and stuff, it, we talked to a lot of bands and they're like, yeah, it made us like really polish our sound. We had a lot of writing to do and, and it kind of, you know, a little more focus on the craft versus just like, yeah, we have a gig yeah. to get ready for tomorrow night. Like and the only, and you have to produce something. So we, yeah. we get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, so I also had my vocal cord collapse. Um, oh my right, goodness. Yeah, yeah, it was so horrible. Uh, it was right before, I think it was right before the lockdown. So I was actually struggling to speak as it was anyway, like actually talking would hurt. And uh, it turns out it was all to do with um, stress. So um, gigging a lot, drinking a lot, smoking a lot, um, uh, gigging without any inners. Because the shows we were doing, like we were just like, we need to play shows, we need to play gigs, we need to be heard. So we were just gigging all the time. Didn't matter if it was a shit venue or an awful monitoring system. But mm-hmm. I just never had any inners in. So I used to really like shout to hear myself even, right. which actually right. was a part of the sound being way more heavy rock than I intended it to be vocally anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I was always kind of happy with like, the guitars almost like that it was always sort of what where it is now but it was just like missing something and in that lockdown i i uh, had speech therapy and singing lessons um spent all my money on on the singing lessons right and had to yeah relearn how to speak uh and figure out where sound actually comes from and it's crazy like i used to wow. think it's all here but actually it comes from here and like really doing all these exercises and i think that was really part of yeah, shaping this EP as well, because it was, yeah, I didn't have the band members uh, anymore. Like I just wrote it completely uh, myself. And then, yeah, like I was demoing every day, but also I I had to change my lifestyle because my voice. So the therapist said that if I didn't stop smoking, drinking um, and just singing the way I was and, and talking the way I was because I was very even though I'm still like energetic now I like to think I talk in a calmer way than I used to really? <laughs> believe it or not I, I used to be like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just all the excitement and passion and I still have that but yeah, I know that I need to look after the way that I speak you know it's, it's it's an instrument at the end of the day um and yeah I think I also was supposed to put out an EP with a label and then they said, well, we're not going to do it anymore because the lockdown. And then that was another sort of punch. And then I got dumped. So it was another punch. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Just one like, after another, after another, oh you were going God. through it. Yeah. But I, um, I've just flipped it all around. I, I ended up uh, being crazy into exercise 
like ridiculous, like absolutely insane. I was working out so much, but then when you think about it, it's all we could do. It's the only way we were were allowed out the house. Right. So I might've gone a bit overboard with the exercise, but like it's, it was still good because it opened up my mind um, to, Yeah. yeah. Also the songwriting and, no drinking and stuff like you, I could think so much clearer and place instruments better and mm-hmm. yeah arrangements and it was a cra- yeah crazy time and then after I'd demoed like 20 tracks uh picked five of my favorites um and there was a guy um who said he wanted to help me out so I ended up uh, recording it with him and he played guitar on it as well and he did production um and yeah, he, he came up with some really, really cool stuff, like a uh, very clever guy, great, great ear for tone and well, just great ear for product, like great producer. Um, yeah. And he he was really helpful with bringing forward what what I wanted it to be, basically, because I would turn up with the song with all the instruments, you know, with it recorded at home. But obviously, when someone knows uh, production a bit better, they can amplify that mm-hmm. what you've done. Uh, and it basically like I was like, holy shit, um, <laughs> I didn't know that that's yeah. my song. Like That's crazy. So, yeah, that kind of boosted my confidence is like, OK, like I can do this without having the players like actually be in a band like Mm -hmm. um and yeah i I was kind of like the stick it to the man kind of (laughs) ep (laughs) and very much about empowerment and uh yeah it all came from an organic place like going through really hard times and just sort of going well obviously i i cried a lot too but going like you know i'm better than this like i'm gonna I'm going to do something about it and, and write something really cool. Totally. Um, I have to say um, this, this EP an interpretation of depersonalization. So it came out in February of 2022 and from our interactions, you know, with the page that we run and, and, you know, being acquaintances for a while, it mm-hmm. was so cool because I felt like in a lot of ways, you know, just like watching your stories and communicating, like we kind of had a little bit of insight and just to like, all of the hard work that you put into this thing. And it's, it's, it's honestly, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things that's come out in this year thus far. And, you know, I just, you can feel all of these things that you're speaking about, you know, just like the process of like dealing with a bunch of heavy shit all at once when like, you're probably not prepared to handle things like that. And it's like, you gotta, you sink or you swim and you decide like, you know, do Mm -hmm. do I want to go forward and turn it around as you said, and, and use it for something. And, you know, especially when you, you know, you listen to to some of the things that you put out, you know, before this time period in 2018, 2019, it just yeah. feels so much more intentional and so much more polished and like so much more matured. And it's, it's such a great, great effort. Um, and I want to commend mm-hmm. you on that. Certainly. Um, I really, it's, it's yeah, definitely it's a lot hearing, to be proud of. Hearing that you're, you're, you had a, a uh, the vocal cord collapse and then be able to come back. I mean, the vocals on the, all the tracks are, really great i mean i love the the sound of it i mean obviously it has a lot of like i don't know if you listen to mute mute math but they you kind of sound a lot like them you'd probably really like them yeah mute math like obviously a lot of silver sun pickups or smashing pumpkins and whatnot little little my bloody valentine definitely yeah definitely bloody valentine Valentine. (laughs) but the vocals just fit all that you know everything that you were trying to achieve so yeah. well done it's, it's really Thank funny you. so um i think um you released a song for dreamers first right yeah yes yeah, so i remember so i was super super late to the party but i had not listened to my bloody valentine until like right before you released the, the a song for dreamers so like i was like holy oh, shit like loveless is like the greatest album that i've ever heard like it's changed my life and then i yeah. heard that song i was like holy shit like i can tell like you know that that's that's gotta be an influence like before yeah, before i had even massive. you know vetted <laughs> the bio to see like you know who you listed as influences like it's gotta be there but um it was so so cool so i, I remember listening to that and getting really excited because I was like, you know, there's still music like this that's being made. And and I think a trope that you always see with rock and roll is that everyone's like, oh, like, there's no good music being made anymore. And, you know, all rock is dead. And, you know, whatever genre lines you want to draw, like, it's all dead. And the best is already behind us. But it's not. It's like, it's people, so not. no, it's not. And, yeah. and I'm sure you're in circles and, and you, have, you, have, yeah, like, you have peers that it's more alive now than it probably has been, you know? Yeah, these guys today are really great uh, that I was uh, assisting on their session. Like, I had that same feeling where I was like, oh, this is 
two guitars, bass and drums. Sick. Mm. And I was like looking at their pedal boards and I'm like, okay, that's Kurt Cobain's pedal. <laughs> like, yep. There's the rat. And I'm like, cool. Like it's, yeah, it's so, it's still here, but you gotta, you, you've got to dig for it. Like, you got to know what radio station to put on. Like mm-hmm. in the UK, it's like listen to BBC Six and maybe like, um, what's the other one? I think XFM is quite good for guitar music. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Radio One is okay as well. They've got rock show and they've got some really, really cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And they're really nice. They've been really kind to me with the EP as well. Um, yeah, but most yeah. of the people that say that there's no good music out there don't know how to look for it and they don't no, know where exactly. to go because like there's i mean at the, yeah there's there's so much music out there and there's a lot of people there's a lot of creatives still really pouring their heart out into it and um yeah you know you're always going to get a good product when you you know are really you know true to yourself and honest about it so i think yeah and well probably guitar bands have become really underground again or something <laughs> like you got to go searching for the gigs maybe yeah. But I mean, in London, we've got loads of it, like loads of venues. Loads yeah, what's of the? Uh, that was one of my questions. What is the music scene like in London? Because um, I've never seen a show over there. Obviously, <laughs> what? I've never, I've never been over there. We got to come over. You got to only... come see a Dutch mustard show. Yeah, yeah, that, that will be the first show that I see in the United Kingdom. Yeah, you'll have VIP. There we Hell go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, just, we, need, we need some dates. That's all. Yeah, man. I'm, I'll make it happen. I'll talk Good. to my people. <laughs> but yeah, what, what is, um, what is this, the music scene like over there? Is it a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of pubs or is, I mean, how, it, how do you kind of cut your lot. teeth in that? There's a lot. Um, trying to think. I've been gigging for a long time um showing my age Not yeah well that. i say how, how old are you <laughs> i'm 26 i just You're turned 26, 26. yeah Wait, okay, when's your I'll birthday i just turned 26 as well uh third of september oh mine's the 28th nice. of september so oh, a couple of weeks shit. apart my <laughs> happy, happy birthday well, yeah, yeah, happy birthday yeah ethan's <laughs> also the 28th so all september yep. babies what you're both the 28th of september both the 28th yep we share the same birthday yeah. he's an old man though he's a few years older than i am yeah i'm 28 so two years you're both super young we're all young and here's me thinking oh we're old <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, i'm so old <laughs> no um yeah i the music scene um back to that is really good and i started to explore it when i was about 17 because i i lived out just out of london but i remember getting a train in to see um a band called little comets and they played uh at a venue called boston music room and i think that was like a 300 capacity venue and that was one of the first venues that i'd seen apart from the boiler room in guildford which is in surrey just out of london and that was like a 200 capacity um but really great sound in both venues um, and then I was going to bigger gigs at Brixton Academy, which okay. is one on my list that I would obviously love to do one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brixton Academy is like, you see some really cool shit there, but that's obviously more expensive. Um, but after that, like after I actually moved into London, I was just gigging all the time in loads of different pubs, clubs, uh, actual just pure music venues, but it, it's a lot like Camden is is the place to be if you want to get out there and just get gigs like and and do it yourself kind of thing. Like I gigged for three years or three and a half years, maybe longer, or three and a half years as Dutch Mustard, and then um, just as Sarah Jane for like two years before that. But that was all like off my own back. Like I had no manager, no booking agent, nothing. And it's just because if you go to gigs and you ask. Like, where's the promoter? Like, you just talk to people and they'll hook you up. Like, like even if you've not done a gig before, then they'll know where to send you and go like, oh, here's an open mic night uh, in Camden. Or like, yeah, it's just really, I think people are really kind with with uh, music when you're starting out, for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Like, we played so many, so many shows, uh, especially, yeah, especially Camden, especially London. I did, I did drive out. We did a tiny tour that I organized when I was 21 or 22. And we went to Brighton, Manchester, Liverpool, Hull. Hull was the best one, which really surprised me. I didn't know that people in Hull were that into guitar music, but that was a really good show. Um, yeah, but London is the one, like it's just music everywhere. Yeah, I think that's it's so trickier. cool. 
yeah, it's trickier now. Like now that I've played the Lexington was my last headline show. Um, and like, I wanted to do a smaller show, but my promoter was like, well, we've, we've built you up to this venue now. So we kind of got to stick with that or a bigger one. Yeah. Um, but purely because of like, things are just funny at the moment because of ticket sales and, um, because of the war and stuff going on in Ukraine. Right. So money is a disaster right now. I think uh, England's having a nightmare, but I think yeah, seems uh, obviously like a lot it of places are having here. a nightmare and obviously especially Ukraine. So we can't really, like, can't really totally. complain. But yeah, it's like a big reason why um, gigs are really difficult at the moment. People just can't sell tickets. And I've been to a few gigs and it's just, it's not full. Yeah. Nowhere you're going yeah. is full, but I'm sure it'll, it'll, do, it'll flip, but... Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and, and all things being normal. And stuff. Right, for it's sure. Still loads of bands um who had their shows cancelled, they're all getting their shows again now. So for new bands, like even though like I've been gigging for a long time, like I'm still sort of classed as a new band new like waiting list almost, yeah. Um and yeah, it's harder because you can't just get in on that uh, festival lineup unless you've got like a sick booking agent or uh, or your manager just knows everyone or like I don't know Mm. it's and even then it's really hard just because of the backlog so yeah but uh, it'll come yeah that makes (laughs) a lot of sense and I have to say um I I always um it's always uh, enlightening for me to talk to musicians who are actively writing music you know recording music performing music and you know Mm. trying to you know be in that in that area because as a fan, you forget about how difficult it is. So from an artist's perspective, like what, what is the best way in this day and age to support artists that are coming up? Because as we know, I mean, streaming services are shit with the way yeah. that they pay out. So you can do numbers on any of the streaming services and you get, you know, yeah, nothing. So what, what, what do you suggest? And, and what is, what is the best way that, that fans can support artists now? So I suggest like a lot of bands will have like a band camp or um, like I've got a Patreon page where you can just sign up or like, mm-hmm. or I think mine is like three pounds plus and then you can just do however much you want. Mm-hmm. And it's like a monthly thing where it just takes out like a direct debit or something of three pounds and you get like exclusive content of like a demo that I've never shown anyone or like pictures that never came out or yep you know, anything like that, um, or behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, cause that goes directly like into my pocket, right. um, which means that I can then pay my band or I can pay for uh, new recordings or merch and right. yeah, and buy merch as well. But I can't if I, uh, afford to get new merch made at the moment, <laughs> but when I do have some, it's buying mm-hmm. merch. Um, yeah. And buying tickets. Totally. And I, huh. I know it's hard right now, but yeah, going to gigs, that's really, like going to shows that's really the way um to to help musicians like financially anyway of course but and just sharing online like if you like something share it with your neighbor <laughs> like share it with your friend because yeah. you never know like that they might absolutely love it too yeah. um but yeah i think that's that's it really just yeah <laughs> try and try and give them some money somehow absolutely yeah, yeah it seems like yeah, merch and just buying directly. And there's a lot of easy ways to, like I said, we have a Patreon too. And that's how a lot of people um, can support where it just goes right to the, the people that you know are making, you know, are doing the creative stuff. So yeah, um, yeah we'll have to, we'll make, we always tell our Patreons, so we'll, we'll tell them to go and follow yeah, you as well. Yeah, go to SJ's well. page. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's go, go to that her page. That reminds me, I should probably post something. <laughs> it's tough though because like it being a creative and putting out it never ends like there's always that internal clock that's like oh i have to put something out you know because like you said it's not just about writing the music because you have to finance all of it so there's all different things like like you were saying it's like it the hustle doesn't end there's nothing i work so many jobs like like engineering i still pull shifts at a pub i've started doing extras work like on film like series and things like oh my goodness i hear you and there's nothing and there's nothing worse too when like you feel obligated to do something creative like that takes away the entire 
idea about how it takes away the creative. joy of it yeah. yeah i mean like it's like i need to get this done so you like you can you sometimes you just rush through things where i'm like i get so pissed off i'm just like dude i just want to yeah. like if i want to make this really good like i don't i don't want a deadline you know i need to i need to no, get here exactly yeah you want to get there way more Sorry. organically no no it's fine but yeah that's basically it yeah no i was just gonna say like creating the time to be able to create yeah yeah exactly that's like half of the battle though especially when when, like you said you have to balance so many things just to afford yourself the opportunity to be creative without it having without having it be crushing financially and it's such a such a sorry situation that society places creatives in now you know because it's really you lose a lot because i think there's a lot of people out there that you know based off of their socioeconomic position or what have you that they they don't have the access and they don't have the opportunities to have these creative outlets. And it's a shame because, um, you know, obviously your story being any indication, it's really impressive and inspiring what people can do when they uh, work to allow themselves that time. So speaking of that, this EP, it's been out, uh, you know, for most of the year, love it. Um, what are the future plans? Um, I know obviously getting back to gigging and playing shows as, as, as that, you know, starts to rev back up hopefully, but um, in terms of new music and writing, uh, what's, what's What's the future of Dutch Mustard? So, um, I yeah, played a few shows after the, the Lexington show, the EP launch, and it all sort of came out of nowhere. So uh, I had to take those gigs um, and they were really good fun. And now, uh, and since then, I have been writing a lot and I've been in the studio at Crouch End where I work. Um, and I did record five more songs. Nice. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm just seeing, we're just seeing how to bring them out. Like mm-hmm. whether, like I'm not going to self-release them because again, financially it's just like you want people to hear it, you know, and like Definitely. it's always better to, not always, but in some some ways. And I think for me, it's better to release with uh, an indie label or at least um, like a distribution company or, yeah. or something that can help like push it. Um but yeah, I did record five songs. Uh, since those five songs, I've probably demoed up another like 10 tracks. Um, and it just keeps going. Um, I can't stop writing, which is good. Like I'm, I'm quite prolific. But um, yeah, it's just a, a waiting game now to see when I can release. But I spoke with my manager yesterday and we said that we're going to aim for hopefully January. That's so awesome. really, nice. it's like one single from the five or four. Yeah. yeah. Still seeing well, whether as a fan of your music, that makes me very excited. And I have something to look forward to now. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite nervous about it because it's like, um, it's still really guitar driven, but it's like, it just goes more towards like some, a couple of the tracks go more towards like LCD sound system, talking heads mm-hmm. kind nice. of way. But That's then awesome. the others are like extremely uh, rock. So I'm like, there's there's something in there for everyone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's always nervous doing, uh, yeah, releasing your next kind of thing. I think Weeping Willow, the first single in 2019, was like a statement thing of like, okay, this is going to be an alternative rock band. Um, and I think from that, having the EP a couple of years later, like now it's like, okay, it's definitely going to be like guitar music. Yeah, and then like, this is also, what it is. This is who we this are. This is what it is. But I then am, also yeah. trying to stay truthful to yourself as a writer so it's like if something is coming out of you and you love what it is um you got to see it through as well so i'm kind of like genre hopping a little bit uh with my writing seeing what what fits and how i can make it into the same world still and keep it in an alternative uh like genre um but yeah, awesome. it's really exciting. I think I hope you guys like it. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I mean, I'm, that sounds great. So this EP was was, was a great listen. Um, obviously, we need more songs, so we're we're excited <laughs> about that. I think one one last question I have before I think we uh, maybe time to shut down. But um, just because I like asking this, and I have some, I you know I do um, athletics here and and training for like some bigger goals. But like you know, mm-hmm. what is um, you know, in your music career, because you're you're just starting and you got a lot a lot to go. Like, what is one thing that you really want to get out of your this music career? Like, what you know, what are, what is the big goal? Or like, you know, if you want to kind of talk about like the 
the perfect situation like do you want to is it like sold out arenas do you want are we trying yeah. to like you want to tour like <laughs> like so worldwide crazy. tour no yeah. like i mean this is a safe space i mean i, I love talking big dreams and i love talking stuff yeah, so like casting it's fun. yeah, yeah I mean, like what do you what Wembley. do you want to get out of this Wembley? okay oh, yeah has <laughs> that been the dream since you were a little girl uh yeah pretty much i mean i didn't know well, yeah, I've always wanted to be a rock star, but nice. I think I've achieved that. But just not everybody knows it yet. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Wait until they find like out. That. It's gonna blow their minds. I like that too. Yeah. It's good. But um, yeah, like Wembley Arena, that will be the day. That will make me really happy. Um, just like that is a huge career goal, and I know it's insane. But I always think if all these other bands have no, done it's it, it's not insane. Yeah. Why exactly. Not me, yeah. Know? What's so different? Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. We should all dream. So. That's yeah. my one. <laughs> That's perfect. Like I said there's a lot of time and, the, and there's there's the hard work to back it up too. So, um, mm. no doubt that you know at some point we'll be we'll all be there watching. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, SJ, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and, and chat about chat about music and everything. This has been super fun. Uh, would love to have you back on when uh, these songs start to come out uh, next yeah, year. Sure. It'd be really exciting. I'd be looking forward to that. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. It's been really fun, and it's gone Absolutely. really quick. I feel like we've only been chatting for ten. Minutes. I know time flies. It's good. We got to do more. Absolutely. Thanks we'll for having me. No problem. All right. And there you have it. Conversation with Dutch Mustard. Thank you very much, SJ, for coming on. Um, it's always it's always a joy when you know the interview goes like that you know it's just easy good conversation just fun um so we love that um yeah Yeah, solid time solid time it's great it's always cool to get a window into the world of the people who create stuff that adds value to our lives i mean these are musicians that we listen to that we enjoy and that we're excited to follow along to see what they continue to do and um you know really excited to see where the dutch mustard project goes and um Really cool, just to uh, you know, be able to have that conversation and present it to everybody in uh, in in this way. So really, really excited for that. So thank you yep. to everyone for listening thus far. Um, thanks for all of your support. Um, if you would like to support us further, you know the ways to do that. Um, but you know, first and foremost, keep listening and uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, because at the end of the day, if you don't want to ante up and support us financially, you might have a friend or a neighbor or an ex or an adversary who might. So, you know, keep spreading that word and that's how we grow. Yep. It's either you get to hear us ask for money or you get to hear us talk about Simply Safe, you know, or something like like that. brought to you by Skillshare. (laughs) Yeah. So we can start, you know, rolling in some outside companies, but... But not if it, if it's up to you guys, we don't have to. We can just keep saying your guys' names. So absolutely. So, um, so for song of the week here, uh, we we like to continue uh, with the tradition of uh, picking a couple of songs, um, you know, from the artists that we interview from their catalog. So, Ethan, do you have a song of the week? I do. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, my song is "Don't You Worry" by Dutch Mustard, and this one. I don't know. It just kind of stuck out to me. I mean, the whole album is really good, but this one has, um, it just hits the right, you know, the right tone for me. And, uh, it's really enjoyable. I think I've, I've listened to it quite a bit since we've uh, had this conversation. Um, you know, she just gives a lot of, it's like joy, formidable vibes for me. And, and a lot of the influences that we talked on the show too, but she just has this, it's just this jam and this hum to her music that I, I really enjoy. So, uh, don't you worry. I'll put on the list. Um, that's yeah. great. That's awesome. So my song of the week, uh, which I am very excited to not only have as my song of the week, but uh, to have the opportunity to present it to everybody to close the episode is uh, the song called A Song for Dreamers. And that is off of her EP, An Interpretation of Depersonalization. It was the first single from that EP and really excited to play it for everybody now. And um, with that, I think we just get into the song and we'll catch catch up with everybody at another time. So enjoy this and uh, make sure to go support uh, SJ of Dutch Mustard and, uh, you know, stream the music. You know, if you're in, in the UK, buy tickets to these shows when they're happening. I think this is going to be one of those cool instances that you're able to support an artist before everybody knows their name. So let's do it. Let's show some support. 
and let's take it away with a song for dreamers. Let's go. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. 